Our scripture text this morning is from Jeremiah chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. Listen now for God's word. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved and Jerusalem will live in safety. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Holy God, thank you for your word. Pray that you would open our ears and our eyes and our hearts to the message you have for us today. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Well, here we are at the start of Advent, the time when we talk about waiting and we talk about hope. You know, the place that always makes me think of Advent is the airport. When we are at the airport, we're never where we want to be. Now, there are, of course, people that love airports. I don't understand those people. And there are people that uh, work at airports, of course. But by and large, when we are at the airport, none of us want to be there. We're there because it means it will take us where we want to go. In the airport, we're all waiting, waiting, waiting. It's a place that's filled with expectation and hope, but also frustration and a lot of times angst. And we're only willing to dwell in airports because they get us where they're going. We're only willing to spend $35 on a gross turkey sandwich because we know we're close to getting where we want to go. We're only willing to wait in long lines and endure flight delays because it's one step closer to where we want to be. In Advent, we slow ourselves down, and we wait, and we hope. We spend four weeks preparing our hearts and our minds for the mystery of Christmas. And as the days grow shorter and shorter, we gather around this wreath, and we watch the light from it grow as we recognize our need for Jesus Christ in our lives. As we recognize that we all collectively are not quite in the place we want to be, and that We do, in fact, need God. The prophet Jeremiah speaks to a group of people from our text today that are in need of hope in a desperate way. They are in exile. They've been taken from their homes and are in Babylon. They have no choice about where to live. They've been marched away from the place that they knew as home. They have been led away from the temple, the only place that they know to worship God. And they've had to start all over. In Babylon, the people aren't sure if God is still there with them, and they keep thinking back to where they were and wishing they could go back to the way things were. They also recognize in their looking back that maybe they weren't doing things quite right, that maybe they weren't holding up their part of the covenant with God and They weren't quite loving their neighbors in the way that they should. So now in this place of exile, they're wondering if 
God is still with them. If they'll ever get a chance to go back and if there's anything left to hope in. The world is dark. They feel weary. They're in a place that they really don't want to be. And they need these words of hope from Jeremiah. We might not be in exile in the same way, but we understand that feeling of needing hope. I've been watching all of the news of new COVID variants and entering a second season of Advent and Christmas time, thinking, oh, I am not where I want to be. I know many of us have changed family plans yet again and thought about how to live in this world that we don't recognize, and we're tired and weary. I was reflecting on some of the phrases that I have used and many of us have used throughout the course of the past 20, 21 months of pandemic. See if any of these resonate with you. At the beginning, we were all saying, oh, when this is over, I can't wait to fill in the blank. Oh, when this is over. Back when we thought this is going to be two weeks and then we'll be back for Easter. And then we sort of shifted. We thought, okay, over might be a bit ambitious. We, sa- we started saying, Uh, Well, when things go back to normal, blah, blah, blah. And then after a while, we sort of started to realize, okay, normal might not really be normal anymore. What could it be? And so then we started to say, when things settle down a little bit, and now I feel like we're all just saying, sometime, maybe, Even outside of COVID, we have a lot of hopes, don't we? Big hopes, scary hopes, little hopes. One of the most frustrating parts of flying and being at airports is when you get all the way to the gate and then they delay your plane. Has this happened to any of you? They, they only delay it by 20 minutes at a time. And I don't know if this is genius or if this is torture, but you'll be sitting at the gate for a 3 p.m. flight and they'll say, oh, folks, I'm so sorry, just a short delay, 3.20, and then we'll be out of here. And then, of course, at 3.15, they come on the speaker again and they say, oh, just so sorry, 3.40 now, but then we'll surely be on the way. And then at 3.35, it's 4 o'clock and on and on and on until five hours later, you finally board your plane. I think about that kind of airport hope, where we realize the thing that we want and we know we're not quite there, we just keep grabbing for the next rung of the ladder, a little bit of hope, a little bit of hope, and frustration that comes with it. Sometimes that's all we can muster is one step ahead, and that's okay. But I think Jeremiah opens our eyes to a different kind of deep hope in this text. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made. A branch from the line of David will execute justice and righteousness in the land. True hope, as God demonstrates, is tied up with justice and righteousness. True hope is honest, and true hope is for everyone. Through the line of David, this new kind of king will come, one whose reign is unlike anything we have experienced before 
And in that time, all of the people will see justice and righteousness in a new way. You know, the Babylonian exile lasted decades and decades, even longer, if you can believe it, than it took for Michigan to beat Ohio State again. Seventy years of exile, according to Jeremiah 29, this Babylonian exile lasted 70 years. And in Jeremiah's time, that would have been at least two generations. The life expectancy was such that people would have turned over a couple of times by then. And so when these words of hope were spoken, they were actually for the children and the children's children and the children's children's children of those who were hearing them. When the words of hope were spoken, the people knew that this was not just for them personally. It was hope for all. It was a hope that was plural and not just singular. As I've been reflecting on hope, I've noticed that every time I use that word, the word I is in front of it. I hope, I hope, I hope. And very rarely do I think about others when I think about hope. But Jeremiah points us to a kind of hope that's connected and that goes way beyond our own limits and that shows a plural kind of hope. Lutheran pastor Nadia Boltz Weber shares a couple of examples of hope in her life, and I think that they so beautifully capture this plural sense of connectedness. The first one was uh, her story about childbirth, about labor. And she, with her first child, labored for 44 hours. And she said that it was such an intense experience. She described the pain like a freight train. And she said the only reason she knew she could keep going is because she thought of her mother and her grandmother and the women and the people that have birthed children for generations and generations and generations who she said, if they rode this freight train, I might be able to ride it too. She said, if I was the first woman to ever go into labor, I would have absolutely given up and died. Just laid down and died. This is not possible. But knowing that others have experienced this and been a part of it connected her to this line of hope that allowed her to grab on and to keep going. She also talks about her ordination. And in the Lutheran tradition, it's very similar to how we do it here in the Presbyterian tradition for pastors and also for elders and deacons, like many of you. And when someone is ordained, they will stand or kneel, and all the others who have been ordained will come up around them and lay hands on them. And as Nadia Boltz-Weber described the experience, she said she could feel the power of the generations before her in those hands. Those that had been ordained also at one point had kneeled, and those that had been ordained before them had their hands on their shoulders. She said those vows that she took that day, her ordination vows, would never have been possible if it was just her own will. But through the support and the generations of people and the cloud of witnesses she was surrounded by, she knew that they together could hope for a future. They together could be a part of ministry that she on her own never could. 
The captives in Babylon wanted to go home. They wanted to return to normal. They wanted it right away. But the bigger, deeper hope and truth was that God was bringing something brand new with Jesus Christ. It wasn't going to be quick. And it was going to take a baby to be born many, many years later, and then for that baby to have to grow up before that hope would come fully. It would not be a return to normal. It would be something completely new, and it would show up in the form of justice and righteousness. Not just comfort and ease. Author Jim Collins talks about this concept that has become famous now, uh, Stockdale Paradox. And he speaks in his book, Good to Great, about Admiral Stockton and Stockdale, who was a prisoner of war during the Vietnam War for more than seven years. And this admiral was interviewed and asked, how did you make it through such a long time of such difficult conditions? Because there were people in the same situation that did not make it through. And so in this, in this interview, he said, you know, you know who didn't make it were the optimists. The optimists didn't make it through eight years as prisoners of war because they kept thinking, oh, we'll be out by Christmas, we'll be out by Easter, we'll be out by th Thanksgiving, and their hopes kept getting dashed. And Stockdale said eventually they just died of a broken heart. Stockdale said his method was to hold two things in tension at the same time. First, a faith that somehow life would prevail. It might not look great, might not even look like physical life, but somehow life would prevail. And then also to be very brutally honest about the circumstances he was surrounded with. It's a paradox to hold both of those at the same time, but this is the place where true hope lives. Optimism is great, but sometimes we turn it into wishful thinking and we forget about the honesty piece. And we also forget that we are in the hands of a God that holds us secure. I wonder what it would look like for airlines to take this advice. I'd love to hear an announcement someday at the gate, listen, friends, we have no idea if this plane is coming or not. But we're in this for the long haul. Eventually, you'll probably get to your destination, so let's ride it out together. They might have a mutiny. It's probably wise that they do what they do. But that's the kind of hope that we are seeking in Advent. True hope is more than wishful thinking. It's more than a desire to just get back to the way things were. True hope connects us with other people. It's bigger than just us, and it looks a lot more like justice and righteousness than it looks like getting back to something familiar. I look forward to hoping with you all this Advent season. And in order to do that well, I think we need to come together to work for justice, to continue to hold on to those goals that we have through Matthew 25, to eradicate poverty, dismantle structural racism, and to be vital together. I think we need to strive to be righteous people, to do the right thing, even when, and especially when, nobody 
is looking. To be people who carry the light of Christ in a dark, dark season, we need to hope together and know that it is a collective hope. Not just for you, not just for me, but for all of us. Let's hope together. Would you pray with me? Gracious God of hope, bring to our eyes the light of this candle and the hope that you have for all of us to be your people of justice and righteousness. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.